Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? Everything all right? Are you easing yourself into the new year, okay? Because it's a funny, funny time, January. We've got that, you know, that pre-Christmas excitement. Then we've got Christmas Day itself and New Year. You're doing that, whatever you do. I chose to fall asleep on the settee, but each to their own. And then we're asked to fall back in line and, and get into routine and try and find a routine. And maybe some of us don't have a routine, but, but that's okay. Take your foot off the pedal. Just relax, it's only January, all right? Feel under no pressure. You ease yourself in the best way you know how. So, it's Thursday, it's episode 72. I am recording this intro from a Lenny Henry television advertised budget hotel in Leeds. I wanted to give you a little picture of of the, the very glamorous life that I lead. So with Eileen Walsh... This week, uh, we met Eileen in London, and it's a really fantastic episode, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. First of all, I wanted to say thank you so much for the, the phenomenal response from last week's episode. David Morrissey was such a, a, a beautiful, honest guest, um, but we had a lot of messages in support of Adam's bravery of the letter that I read out at the intro. Um, so thank you to everybody that sent an email or a, a private message or a tweet in support. I know it meant a lot to Adam that, that you did that. And there was a question last week I didn't know. I, did, I said I didn't know whether uh, Adam and, uh, had got married and, and everything was all right. turns out he did get married and he's taking everything day by day. So I know that the the support and love from the listening community meant the world to him. So, massive thank you. Now, one more thing. Have you heard of 500 Acts of Kindness? Right. You can follow them at 500 Acts Of on Twitter. I'm going to tell you what they're about right now. They're a voluntary support group, right? It's a fundraising group where 500 people... Donate one pound every week, just a quid, and then they give that five hundred pound to a person, a family, or an organisation who really needs it. Now, I think I'm right in saying that this was inspired by past Two Shot Pod guest Joe Sims. So that's how it works. If you want to know more, follow them at Five Hundred Acts of on Twitter. I think they're on Facebook as well. Just give it a Google. And now, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be having somebody on who I believe is directly involved in this group. And she does plenty more besides. It's going to be very exciting to speak to her, and I can't wait. I can't tell you who it is, can I? But I can tell you that this week is Eileen Walsh, the lovely, brilliant Eileen Walsh from Cork. She came to meet us in London, not from Cork. She lives in London. Now, that would have been a bit of dedication, wouldn't it? Now, I remember when I first saw Eileen, it was in a brilliant film called The Magdalene Sisters. It's, if you haven't seen it, it's directed by Peter Mullen. And it's very, very heavy going, but it is an important film. And I remember when I first saw her, it reminded me of when I first saw past guest Tony Pitts in Red Riding. Something about me just drew me to what they were doing on screen. And they weren't being tricksy or anything. They were just being real. And... Certainly with Eileen's performance, there was, there was uh, such a, some beauty and fragility about what she was doing. Um, you, if you've seen it or you've seen Eileen on, on stage or screen, you'll, you'll really understand what I'm talking about. She's brilliant. And lucky for me, it turns out she's brilliant company too. And I think, I hope that you think so too. So we do it. Let's go. This is episode 72 of the Two Shot Podcast with the fantastic Eileen Walsh. I'll see you at the end. Hello, 
Um, I see you've got one of the um, Steve's yeah. advent calendars. I brought, so great. I brought it with me because I've been taking a photo every day for a few mates of mine. I've <laughs> <laughs> been playing a game. If you guess right who it is, then you get a point, and then whoever gets the point at the end of Christmas Oh, my God. Prize. So I have two girls, and Ethel has a, um, an advent calendar. Uh, they both have advent calendars. But Ethel's one is Quality Street. It's a different one every day. She's running a little book. <laughs> And she gets really, I'm not going to do it until mum's back or I'll phone her and see what are you going for today? And so I've guessed three, Stuart's guessed three, she's guessed three. Tippy, her eldest sister, had only guessed one. Stuart said there was fucking mayhem yesterday. <laughs> mayhem, because Tippy got it right. Oh, she got it right. <laughs> she's like, it was the fudge. Shouting it up the stairs. Anyway, today they nearly lost the will to live because Ethel and her both said, Penny Toffee at the same time. They both have to get a point then if it's Penny That's Toffee. That's what I said too, but Stuart was like, no, Tippy actually said it first, so it's Tippy's point, mainly because Tippy's one behind all the rest of us. So you want, he feels that he needs to give something to the underdog? I think so. Oh, in all fairness, can you do that with kids though? No, I know. If they said Apparently it at the same time. Well, about Stuart's right, he's there, isn't he? He's doing like, it. Fuck it. <laughs> Let's create mayhem. How old, how old, how old are the children? So Tippy is about to turn 13 and Ethel, it's her birthday tomorrow, she'll be 10. Is it? What are you doing? For, you're not having a party, are you? Yeah, we do, we have to. It's like, because they're... I've been through this before about kids' parties. And also it's really important to separate them because they're both at Christmas time. So you, they can't try and get away with giving a birthday gift that will do you for Christmas. No, you can't do that. That, that's just mean and yeah. also kids are super smart and they go oh well, hang on hang on just don't like you anymore don't try and mug me off with one present yeah they're so, on it yeah so it's kind of an expensive couple of weeks for us <laughs> Tippy, I'm I'm only asking for a laptop you're like no, you're not getting a fucking laptop is she a th- <laughs> let's be at 13 yeah god yeah such an interesting age at 13 you know she's everything's changing for her yeah yeah, and finding it tricky to own her body because she's very tall. So she, kind of her arms grow at a different rate to the rest of her. So she's really quite gangly, doesn't know what you God, mean. I used to walk. I used to walk like that. <laughs> yeah, i kill her for that. All the time. Yeah. Because I was embarrassed yeah. of, of, of my height yeah. all the time. And then add boobs in. into that. And she's well, like, oh, fuck it. Oh, this is, <laughs> I don't know who owns hunched, this body. Punch down <laughs> even more. Weird. Yeah. Bless him. Yeah. Very different. So your little boy is seven. He's seven. Right. I've got all that to come. You know, maybe not the boobs. But maybe I've not. Got, I've got... <laughs> who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but we've got all that to come. Are you, is, what's Christmas like for you? Do you get to stay in London or do you bugger off? Um, I Well, we're going to take the kids. I was working all summer um, in... Uh, uh, I was in, in at the Donmar. And uh, I missed summer completely. Um, so this Christmas, uh, we're going to go to New York for a couple of days. Brilliant. Yeah. So that'll be nice. But it is genuinely like a couple of days, like a long weekend. Have the girls been before? I did a play once before there when Tippy was quite small. Um, she pretends she has memories of it, I think, really. But uh, um, this will be a proper kind of little visit. For them both. That'll be such amazing. Yeah. What a great time to go. Yeah. I love this time in New It'll York. It'll be lovely for them. Um, just do a little bit of ice skating and we're going to go see... Um, Tippy and I are going to go see Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, the... I'm so excited about it. The musical. That's coming over here, I yeah. Think. yeah. Yeah. But the songs are amazing. Oh, are they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my uh, my sister's also an actor and she's a demon for sending me links to loads of things that I wouldn't have a clue of. Um, and uh, she started me on Dear Evan Hansen about, I don't know, about a year and a half ago or something. Is you, is is it Catherine? Yes. See. Mm. Upstairs Very for thinking, good. downstairs for dancing. dancing. Um, is she older or younger than you? Older. Older, by how much? About eight years. Yeah, I'm the baby of the family. Or was it just you two growing up? No, there's I'm the youngest of six. The youngest of yeah, six? Yeah, it's a proper Irish family. My God. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... Uh, my eldest sister, Mary, is uh, a teacher um, of secondary school boys. And then uh, Catherine's a twin with Michael. Right. They all, the rest of them have proper jobs. Michael like, is an IT consultant and her next sister, Bernadette, is a social worker in child protection. 
And then there was another little girl, Elizabeth, who died when she was about, I don't know, five or six or something. Right. And then me. And you're based over in London now? Yeah. And are they here or are they back in Ireland or are they spread uh, out yeah, everywhere? Yeah, spread. So Burr's in Australia and uh, Michael had been living over here for about 15 years or something, but they've gone back to Ireland as well. Had enough? Yeah. Well, they had three girls as well and I think they suddenly went, you know what, we want to raise them nearer family and so they're back in uh, just outside Cork in Limerick. Um, and uh, yeah, but... Uh, that's it, really. Me and Bernadette are the two that are away. And how was growing up in Cork? Uh, in such a big good. family. It was good. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day. We So when we were going to school, we went to... It, the school was mixed up until you were about seven. Um, and then as soon as you made your Holy Communion, you were separated then into boys and girls school. Right. Obviously, in case you were sexually active from the age of seven, quick. <laughs> She's a very sexy child. Separate them. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, but, but our teachers used to smoke in the classroom. In the classroom? In the classroom. We had a teacher who used to chain smoke. And I remember being very little and, and watching her light one off the other and then out it and, you know, keep that up. And, of course, she had an amazing voice. <laughs> From shouting at the kids and smoking. It was like hellish. But anyway, she loved drama. Um, and uh, my sister was the same in that she had her, you know, few years beforehand. Um, she loved drama and she would always make time every day for some drama exercise in the class. But it was always very strict, so you were kind of terrified of her. So it was kind of an attempt at allowing creativity, and yet it was... Restricted. Incredibly stifling, yeah. Stifling from her fags, and never mind the <laughs> attitude towards it. And, um, yeah, so then there was one day where she had us all lined up around the room. And now, I don't know if when you were at school, right, when you were at school and, and you had to line up around the room and do times tables, mm. you get the odd girl or who might wet themselves from fear, like. So... Like he'd be standing there listening out for the little trickle. <laughs> so that was my introduction to drama. <laughs> but one day she stood us around the room and she said, um, I hope you all practised, you know, that she had sent us home to try and mime something with our hands. And I was like, oh no, hadn't done that. So I quickly put my hands in a shape and then she came around and her idea was that I'll guess what each of you are doing. And so she said, you know, oh, you're playing tennis or you're, you know, writing a letter. Very good. And she came to me and she said, um, teacup and saucer. And I went, yes, it was a total fucking lie. Because <laughs> in my head, I was doing a matchbox and matchstick. But I knew it was much safer to go with whatever she thought. Yeah. Than admit to what I had done. I thought, oh, that's, that's probably my first memory of acting. <laughs> Just quit. It's the first it quick. Yeah, whatever you think it is, that's what it that's is. Right. Yeah, good, well done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for growing up was um, that's one of the first memories that came to me, con- connected to acting. But growing up in in our house was very much, um, you know, it was quite strict. Having five girls, f- four girls, really four girls and one boy. Yeah. It was uh, very Catholic. We lived with our grandfather. We knelt down and did the rosary every night um and you're obviously going to church every sunday going to church every sunday we all sang in the choir um i loved the choir i hated the nun but i loved getting to do 10 o'clock mass getting to do the psalm um and the alleluia (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so i loved that um and then uh but you know there wasn't much money my dad would work any job to keep money coming in. Would he do lots of different things just to keep money coming in? Yeah. yeah. So I remember as I got older, there was a point where he had been made re- redundant from uh, driving. He used to drive a forklift down in the docks. And uh, he would come in filthy from the coal ships and the animal feed ships. Right, yeah. So he would be stinking and have what looked like eyeliner from the dust. Um. 
and uh, he, yeah, he worked incredibly hard. Uh, and would also, was such a family man, would be up at the crack of dawn to light the fire so that the kitchen was warm when you'd come down in the morning. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, I, like, it, it was a fun... It was it was poor, but it was a very close family, you know. Um, and was your mum just running the house? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because in Ireland, then, as soon as you got married, you you weren't allowed to work. Married women couldn't work. So she had to give up her job in the singer's factory. The sewing yeah. machine factory. Yeah. 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 Uh, and she loved it there. And actually, that was a big moment, I think, for her. You know, I think because she should have been a working mum. That she lost something in her. Within herself, like within a yeah. spirit, you mean? It's because as much as she was supposed to want to stay at home and be, I don't think she, you know, I think she lost something. And then she gained it back eventually. By the time I went, I was in secondary school, she started back into this thing that's like, um, it's called the ICA. It's a bit like the the Country Women's Association, you know, the WI. Right, here. okay. Um, and, she, and she met up with loads of women that she had been in school with herself and uh, who all similarly had lost their working lives, you know. Um, and also their social lives. Oh, there's something everything. Because you know what it's like yourself. Being a working mum, mm. sometimes if you've been at home for ages and you've been running the house and you've been doing all this thing yeah. and juggling all the things with the children, you go to work and you go, I'm going to have a bit of a rest at work yeah. because it's much it's much easier going to work than it is... So much. ..you know, doing all the things at but home. But also it's so lovely to exist outside of your kids and your family and what you're... And you be know. something else other yeah. than a mum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I love when I go and pick up the... When I go and pick up Ethel from school... Uh, one of the teachers always goes, all right, mum, all right, mum, to everybody who comes in. Or, you know, if you press the gate and you go, yeah, it's Ethel's mum, that kind of thing. But actually, when you step away from that and uh, you need to be yourself, or yeah. prove yourself, or I kind of, I love that. And I love that my girls see that as well, you know, that I exist outside them. Yeah, And that's something for them to aspire to as well. Well, you'd hope up. so. Well, you'd think, yeah. yeah. Although Ethel has said a few times, you know, like how most mums stay home and most dads go out. In our house, it's very different because mum can't cook and it's all, you know, <laughs> all right, I, I get it. I, don't know. I mean, I see if I'm sometimes doing like the school drop off and a pick up, I tend to, tend to see the same people doing yes. that. Whereas obviously in our house, it's different people Absolutely. doing it all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you have to juggle those things. But, you know, anybody who lives in London, you can't really. Um, you know, unless, I suppose, unless one of you is doing very well. But you both have to work. To Absolutely. Kind of stay afloat, really. Also for your own sanity. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, I always think there's there's a there's a need to work, there's a want to yeah. work, certainly, you know, for me. Yeah. I had a friend recently who stepped back from working uh, because he was kind of saying, actually, my I, I have less life experience. I'm kind of relying on, uh, you know, that my day exists in and around studios or being on set or, and I just need time to go and walk the dog and bring the kids to school and, and have stuff to recall and to use for more work. And you kind of go, yeah, I can... Well, that's really, that. that's a really important thing yeah. to do. I mean, that's a nice thing to be able to do, though, because you're that successful. <laughs> well, if you are, then, yeah, that is a nice thing to do. But it is also important to stop. Yeah. Because I know some people who just are not just acting or all other sorts of stuff and they'll just take any job coming. Yeah. I'm going, it's, cost, it's really important to say no and yeah. stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise you're going to burn out yeah. mentally and physically and you're not going to be useful, useful to do I anything. Know. But yet we have a need to keep it coming, keep it coming. You know, what what will happen if there's a precipice and you do fall off it? Well, in case it all you stops yeah. and it all goes away. Yeah. I had... Um, a, a job that I was supposed to be doing over Christmas. Um, and then if I took that, it meant that I couldn't do two weeks of a workshop. Um, and I thought I'd better just go with the job. And, you know, good people, nice script, all really positive stuff. But I had no sleep that night. That thing where you're trying to control it, like my heart was beating so fast and I knew I'd made the wrong decision. Um, and on top of it, uh, the girls also had given me a bit of a guilt trip going, you're going to be working over our birthdays as well yeah. as, 
you know, the fact that I had missed summer. And I didn't sleep a wink. And I thought about getting up at about four o'clock. I was going to write my agent a quick email. I thought, no, it's fine, just deal with it in the morning. And uh, I sent her an email in the morning just going, I don't know why. I need to not do that play. I need to pull back from it. And actually, the main thing is, I obviously need to spend time with the kids, but I need to do that workshop. Yeah. Creatively, that's the thing I need to do right now. And she was brilliant and dealt with it and said, yeah, that's fine. And then when it came to doing the workshop, I knew I'd made the right decision. It was like, oh, that my soul needed that. Yeah. That you can still create and make and not be under pressure just for the money. Yeah. You know, but it's but hard, I guess. It, it's so important, though, because those wrong decisions that you know in your gut, mm. you just know. Yeah. How, how do you deal with something that I very... I really try and make the best decisions that I can possibly, for me, yeah. that I can feel, I know this is the right thing to do. Yeah. But on those occasions where I haven't, I mean, I like to think I've learnt mm. from it, but when you're making those wrong decisions, you, you just know, you know when you, there is pressure yeah. to do it. Yeah. Have but you, you learn from those mistakes, I think. Yes, I think. yes. You do, I think. So I have a constant conversation about the idea of, do you when, when you take a job, mm. it's so lovely when you feel part of the process, yeah. as opposed to a director going, this is my vision, and you uh, will be the kind of mechanical worker within that vision. Yeah. Whereas when you take a job and you're part of it, and, you know, you kind of move it on further or feel like you're involved in the thing. Well, it's collaboration. It's so important. Yeah. Because if you're not, or if you're not allowed to follow your instinct, I don't think you can ever get it right. You're just, it's a bit like trying to do a line reading all the time. Yeah. You know? You feel like a number. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, anybody could be doing this. But then what do you do? What do you do? Are you, if you try and raise that conversation about going... Am I part of this, or do you have um, a different creative team? But then do you worry that you're going to become across as somebody who's difficult? Yes. Well, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. I think everything should be questioned. Yeah. Pete, I think some people are afraid of asking questions nowadays. Yeah. But... I think it's trying to create an atmosphere of work in the room. So you, what you don't want to do is um, ask difficult questions in a manner that's not open to. But if it comes change. from if it comes from within yourself and yeah. a, a place of truth and genuinely querying something yeah. that you that you need to find out that's going to help everything, uh -huh. it can't be wrong, can it? No. It can't be wrong. Have you directed? No. And would you? No. I just answered that question myself. Would you? No. <laughs> you know how many times I do that? I do that <laughs> loads. So Irish of me. Um, I don't know. I don't know is the answer. Isn't? Mm. Have you? Have you directed? No. Is that something you would want to do? I don't think. I. I don't know to be honest because, you know, when you work with amazing writers or amazing directors, it's such a technique there's such an art to it uh and i kind of respect and love them so much that i would wouldn't dare to think that i could do that but then i've also worked with some proper mediocre people and you just go oh. well loads yeah work with loads. yeah and it's so funny when you work with the the mediocre people you go i always think god do you really care about yeah. what you're doing because I've worked with really brilliant people who are calm and they are prepped yeah. up. They know yeah. exactly what's going yeah. on. They know where we are geographically within the story, yeah. where we are, what day we are. And you've just walked in and you've slowed everything down. And yes. You obviously don't know what you're doing or you yeah. don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. either way, they're both they're both terrible to bring to yeah. work. I, I wouldn't dream of turning up do, and not being able to do my job or not have the tools that I needed yes. to do my part of this this massive wheel that we're all on. But I'd, I'd love to give it a go, purely from, I think, you know, if you've got a project that you love, something that you'd really love to kind of get your teeth into. Yeah. It, you can only help bring bring more from the actor because 
I think you appreciate what it takes to get there, you know? Yeah, I think that's interesting when I've worked with directors who have been actors or are actors. Yeah. They, there's something there. There's a a, a complicity yeah. between everybody because they it, what you just said. They know what it takes yeah, to yeah, get yeah, where yeah, you're yeah. going. Yeah. But equally, I've worked with. I'm working with brilliant directors at the moment who are not actors, but they're really because they're left yes. to do their job. Yeah. They're not being told how to treat people or direct a scene by somebody else yeah. above. They're being left because the trust is there with that person. Uh-huh, so I think some, uh-huh. there's an amount of trust as well. Yeah. And that everybody has a different job to do. I worked with a writer once who decided to direct his own work. And it was really interesting because it was done from a place of wanting to control it as opposed to what was the right decision for the work, I think. Anyway. Well, but that, yeah, that is interesting, that sense of control. I think he was very lucky... Uh, really because the the assistant director in the room was very good and so there was a bridge between him and us as actors to because he didn't have the vocabulary needed for the first time yeah you know he's continued to direct his own stuff and has uh, and has done brilliantly uh, but that first time it's interesting watching somebody it kind of goes. It's, it's, I've written it. Can you not just do it? Do it better, maybe. You can. Well, you can't just say do it better. <laughs> that lovely I mean, classic I can give bit it a of go. direction. <laughs> yeah. But also, I think it's quite nice not to have all the answers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If if you're working, you go. Oh, I don't really know how I'm going to get there yet. Yeah. That, There's I something think that's very all, freeing in yeah, that. Exactly. Terrifying, but freeing. I did um, The Tempest uh, uh, with with um, Improbable, and they have certain rules to work by. And it's amazing. So a lot of their stuff is about improv. So they're kind of preparing you for improv. Um, and they have... The rules are the um, the people who turn up are the right people for the job. Whatever time you start is the right time to start. Whatever happens is the only thing that can happen. And the rule of two feet, which means you can walk at any time. Right. You don't ask, you go. It's fine. If you've had enough, if you have a voiceover, if you, you just go. And so th- that one in particular is quite brilliant because nobody wants to be the first to use the rule of two feet. So you get full commitment from everybody. Yeah. Um, but the other stuff uh, is, is so brilliant. It's their stuff to kind of live by, really. So the people who show up are the right people for the job, so you never question it. There won't be a day where you go, I don't know what I'm doing. You do because you're here. Yeah. That's it. So, yeah, you can't lose your character. You can't. You are the only person who could play this today. Um, uh, The right time to start is all about the fact that just because we say we start at 10, maybe when we come in, we discover that actually you broke up with your girlfriend last night and that kind of changes. We just need to talk about that for a bit longer. And that feeds into your rehearsal and that's okay. And how does that... And suddenly maybe the scene feels a lot lonelier. Maybe that's okay. And then the other thing then is uh, the only thing that can happen is... Whatever happens is the only thing that can happen. So if the water drops off the table... Keep going. What's yeah. the next line? How does that affect the scene? How does that change things? And actually, there is such a freeing aspect to it because it there is no right way. It just is changing every single time. So it meant for something like The Tempest and Ariel. Ariel's magic changed every night. Uh, there was different e- entrances and exits, so people had to watch out for where she was coming from and, people, you know, that I could put them to sleep in very different ways every night. And and it also means if you forget a line, it's all right, forgive, move on. Yeah. Here we go. That's meant to happen too. And it's one of the most freeing things I think I've done and felt like you can bring it into other work. And also it keeps it fresh and exciting. Yeah. yeah. That is so freeing. Like yeah. There is no wrong. No. It's all no. meant to be. Yeah. And, yeah. and I suppose, you know, the... Nerve, the nerves, or the kind of stage frighty fear that we all get—it's a really good way of kind of managing that, you know. You have to keep those things under control. Yeah. Because they can run away with you. Yeah, they can. Yeah. Oh, it's awful, isn't it? Have you ever had that bad? 
I had it. So I, um, I did a, I, I did disco pigs years ago, and disco pigs is just two people, and it was a very small theatre company that did really well. And suddenly we were kind of propelled into big tours and massive spaces, and um, uh, and there was no self care involved. We were all out drinking all the time, and do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was a full on wild kind of show at a, kind of a hundred miles an hour. Um, and by the time we got to Toronto, I think it was, I remember having palpitations and not wanting uh, to turn around because I knew as soon as I turned around, my monologue would start. And that kind of fear of, I don't know what's going to come out. Yeah. And you would just, oh, and feel a little vomit and the words would come. Um, and that was terrifying. But it's those few seconds <sighs> before... Where you live a whole life in those Everything, few seconds. And it all goes. Yeah. And you just feel like you could run from the theatre with your hair on fire. I always have an image of my hair on fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's like total comedy <gasps> down the street. That, just plumes yeah. of smoke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's gone that way. And then I did a Marco Rosho terminus, which was three of us and monologues again. But it was this amazing, his writing is so amazing. But it was all rhyming. Oh, God. And so, you know, like, if you think, oh, what's the word? What's the word? You can't put in a different word. You can't put in pullover because it doesn't rhyme. Jumper is a word that rhymes. Why can't you think of jumper? And uh, and I remember coming off stage and vomiting. That, I mean, that was pretty intense. And yet, they're really successful shows. mm but I, I think your brain just goes, you can't take it. Do you still feel that like now, with things, with with any jobs? Do you have that question? I, I have something to try inside and control you? it. Yeah. How do you control it? Uh, but I think by those rules of going, it's all right. That's meant to happen too, and you know, trying to bring it back in, uh, trying to control it in that second. So you take those you know, rules that, that's there not and incorporate them into other jobs. Yes. Yeah. Seems pretty sensible. Trying to squeeze it out. Uh, um, a, a friend had said to me, "Do you know Nile Buggy?" Yeah, gorgeous Nile. So he, I was doing, I was doing Lady M, and I was in a panic. I'm always in a fucking panic, obviously. Um, and and I said, I just, I can feel myself not wanting to kind of go through onto the stage. And uh, and he just said a brilliant thing, and he said, you know, you must leap, darling, because theatre will always catch you. Good old I was like, oh my god that's beautiful I'm going to keep that with me so that's quite a handy little thing and coming from him as well yeah he knows his shit he does yeah can we just go back to school yeah were you academic um, I loved English I loved writing I loved poetry were you supported at school for that for poetry and yeah because my sister was an English teacher so she supported it more than anything else really um uh, but I wasn't very good at studying. I didn't really enjoy that, you know. Didn't really enjoy school itself. Um, was it quite strict your school? It was nuns, but then the girls in my class were wild because it was towards the end of that of that that school was going to close in the, the following ten years or whatever. Right. I remember that like, there was a girls coming in. They had done E in the morning. <laughs> like, what? No. Yeah. We sit next to you going, are my eyes like basketballs? That's one of the things I remember Jesus. going. And I had, yeah. Um, so, it, but it was strict, but there was a couple of, like, yeah. I think, because all my sisters had gone to that school and, you know, it had been a very successful school for the amount of people, bless you, going Thank to you. college. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for a kind of rough enough inner city school, it, was, it did very well for that. But anyway, as I, as I went through, the, the, it was slowly declining, really. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't really that interested. I kind of barely... Did you, was it a scrape by thing? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and then I got accepted into Trinity in Dublin to do the drama course. And uh, Did my, you know at this stage, oh, this is something you wanted to pursue, to be an actor? I was doing, like, Saturday morning workshops, um, and I loved those. And they really f- fed my um, poetry love. 
I was writing a lot about AIDS. AIDS was big in Ireland, you know, with the old AIDS quilt tour and all that stuff. And Katie Lang. Oh, God. So I had a lot of poetry about that. Um, and then one day, this oh, this teacher came in to take over the Saturday morning class from my usual. And she had us all be washing machines. And I remember thinking, oh, that's not drama. Right. Drama's like the AIDS, the cancer, <laughs> the dying, that stuff. And I was, you know, sitting on the floor being a washing machine. I thought, actually, this is quite good too. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and then I started, Oh, I'd, I'd been accepted into Trinity, but I was very young because of being the sixth. You know, I was shot off into school ridiculously young. I must have been about three starting because I was just 17 when I did my leaving cert. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was very young. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so got into Trinity and then my parents said, maybe we don't need another actor in the family, actually. Right. Why don't you try and get better results? Um, so I started to repeat my leaving cert. Instead of going to Trinity? Instead of going to Trinity, I kind of asked them to keep my place for a year. Um, and then it was that year that the little Saturday morning workshops that I'd been doing um, were holding auditions for a Dublin theatre company that had come down looking for young ones um, to do a Gina Mugsley play called Dante Dan. And then I got that. So I was like, ah, oh, fuck this. So left school, moved to Dublin, started rehearsals, got my agent... You know, how old are you at this point? Seventeen. Seventeen. So that's quite a big move to go huge. Going to to Dublin at that that age. Yeah, and I was a really good girl. Do you know? Like, so I remember I had never tried a cigarette. Even I remember buying Rollies because I was really into REM at the time. (laughs) And uh, my room was in the the attic. I remember opening the attic window and smoking the Rollie out the window and getting incredibly dizzy and loving it. (laughs) (laughs) And. and then that play went to the Hampstead over right. here. So they put me up in a lovely little uh, council flat in Camden. I just thought, I've arrived. Um, and uh, I was sitting down having like half a beer in the king's head. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then I went back and did Trinity after that. So did they defer your place? They deferred my place for a year. And then Enda Walsh had seen Dante Dan... And then Enda approached me about doing Disco Pigs. Whilst you were at Trinity? Whilst I was at Trinity. So my first summer off from Trinity, I, we did Disco Pigs. So um, while you were still studying at Trinity, you yeah. went off and did Disco Pigs? Yeah. Bloody hell. How was Trinity? How did you find it? It was intense, but I loved it. There was only 10 in our year. Uh, That's amazing. How small was yeah, that? Just practical as well. So there was no essays or anything like that. So it was just dance class and voice class. And that was amazing. Um, but you know, a huge ask of anyone. So when I, when the play, when Disco Pigs went to the Dublin Festival, the, um, they only allowed me work, uh, under the agreement that I would go do the play and come back and finish college each night. So it would, that was kind of tough. Um, but then at, you know, the end of my second year, Disco Pigs went back on tour. So I went kind of just straight into it. So was it only two years, the course? Yeah, it's now four years. It's a four-year degree now. Oh, yeah, it's all changed now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, there's no way I would have lasted four years. I wanted to be working. I didn't really want... As much as I loved learning, uh, you know, and kind of getting to know your body and all that kind of stuff was fantastic, I also thought, I can also... I, I learn on the job. It's fine. <laughs> and did you feel that you were ready for it? Even though you wanted, I think in hindsight, like looking back, do you think you were ready at that at that age to go um, and do it? Yeah, I mean, I went through a point. I think in my twenties where I thought to go to college now would be great. Now that you know how much it means yeah. to to be able to invest in something, but then actually every job you get is like an investing in it. You know, if you get to do something with Frantic Assembly. You know, or recently with Stephen Hoggett, you just go, that's great. Yeah. This is stuff that really pushes you into things that you didn't think you could do. And also the stuff there in the real world now working that you can't teach. Yeah. And you can never get that experience. No. And you have to get it out there. Yeah, so you've yeah, got no yeah, choice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it all get, kicks off swimmingly, really. Yeah. 
did you think that's it? We're on now. We're on this path. Yeah. And it's going to be like this. Yeah. And when? What about the pitfalls? Was there a moment where you went, "Oh, this isn't going as well as yeah, so it should be here"? I don't know how to deal with this. Yeah, I think um, during Disco Pigs, uh, um, it, 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 that seemed like the you know that this is normal. This is how theatre works. You do a massive show; it's massively successful. Everyone thinks you're great. You know, it wins awards. You win awards. That's all lovely. And then uh, it takes, yeah, it's it's an interesting learning curve. Um, because then they made the film of Disco Pigs, and I wasn't in the film, uh, and and that kind of bites you on the ass a bit. How did you feel about that? Well, it was it was difficult, but you know, it's a good learning thing very early on. So just because it's your baby doesn't mean you get to keep it, you know. True. Um, and who knows, like, it's obviously the right person gets it. Do you know what I mean? You just have to let it go a little bit. Um, And thankfully, our friendship has stayed intact. You know, everybody has continued to work together a few times after it, so that's good. Um, But it is as much, yeah, I suppose when, when you hit the quieter times or when you don't get the job that you really work hard for and, like, that's all very tough. Uh... Are you good at letting go of things? God, I don't know. I'd like to think I've gotten better as I've got older. But then you just get nicer things. You know, you get put in the mix for nicer things, so yeah. the kind of it that the the want to get it steps up a bit as well, I suppose. But also it's interesting as you get older, you question am I letting go of stuff easier? Am I getting mm. better at that? Mm. Or is it that my priorities have changed and I don't actually care as much? Yeah. Not that you don't care about the work, but you go, well, that over there is much more important, really, because that's real, that's reality. Yeah, yeah. And this, yeah, it would have been really nice. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, I suppose, the judging judging ourselves. Uh, and then... I have a couple of mates who are, you know, much more successful. And the judging that continues to go on anyway, it doesn't improve just because you, you know, apparently do better, you know, or become more successful. It just, the, the stakes change each time you climb up that ladder and you, you're you still pissed off that the jobs are offered to somebody else before they come to you or, you know, uh, yeah. But I was thinking the other day about... So I was hearing somebody discuss their career and they were saying, yeah, but you see X, Y and Z over there, that's they're, they're up another level from me. And it's like, well, you can't compare no. yourself. Stop comparing, because no. I think that's really unhealthy. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to... You know, you're going to be like a bloody tumble dryer. You're going to be spinning all yeah. the time because you're worried. Not worried. You're concerned or you're looking at somebody else. Of course the grass is always greener. Yeah. It always is. Yeah. But I also think, like, a uh, very old school, very old-fashioned thing is, you know, like my um, dad would have said as well, actually, you know, that's great you got that job. Who knows what this will lead to now. And then at one point my mate said, and she's a bit older than me, and she just said, no, this is what it leads to. This is it. Doesn't project you into anything. For now, this is pretty fucking good. Yeah, exactly. I'm earning a decent wage from what I love doing. I get up and I go to work every day, and I'm delighted to be doing it. That's more than a lot of people can say, you know. So for what it is now, this is it. So to look at the job in the moment yeah. and not think about what it's going to leapfrog onto. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That is, I, yeah, that's not healthy yeah. as tall, is it? Yeah. Well, maybe. Well, because a younger actress be... recently said to me about taking a job at the National, actually, and she was like, you know, because surely that will mean it. And I was like, it doesn't. It's a brilliant opportunity in itself. It doesn't then mean you're going to be cast at the National for the next 10 years. No. Or that suddenly the court will go, oh, yes, you must get her on board for forevermore. And if you you can't take a job for that reason, you take it 
for now. For what it is. Yeah. And stop predicting. And don't think that that's what's going to win you the evening standard and then therefore make you. But that's just, I suppose it's about being realistic. Yeah. And that comes with age. I've that just dropped my mic. <laughs> <laughs> but that comes, doesn't it? Yeah. Just, just be realistic. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because Tippy, who's nearly 13, she would love to be an actor. Oh, would she? And by Jesus, am I fighting it all the time. I'm kind of going, because I don't want that for her. And I don't know why, because nobody could have stopped me. Do you know what I mean? It's something I knew I wanted to do. Um, And, yeah, I, I was speaking to lovely Justine Mitchell the other day, and she said to me, is Tippy still interested in acting and I was like yeah 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 and she said Matt you just you gotta let her do it I was gonna say the more you close the door on that the more she's gonna beat it down I know but I just think she's so anybody any kid is just so little to be dealing with the 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 fallout from it dealing with the rejection basically I suppose and the years of rejection yeah the lifetime you're stepping into a career Absolutely. of rejection. And so I don't mind if she wants to do, you know, Saturday morning classes and build up that way and do it because you love it, but don't do it because you want to work in it. I, I, you know, also child actors. Nobody loves them. <laughs> no, I don't think they do. Nobody loves a child actor. I dislike the parents of them more, I though. dislike the parents of them. Oh, because huge. Because re- they probably don't even want to be doing it. No. It's the parents who want to do it, who yeah. want to do it, and weren't allowed to do yeah. it, so therefore they're going to yeah. push these awful children. Awful children! <laughs> and so I just think, no, maybe I think it'll reflect badly on me. So you can't. <laughs> but, but, I, but I think it, it would boil down to the worry of you as a mum to have that. If you, you're stepping into this arena, yeah, yeah, honestly, yeah. I you, could tell you so many stories. I know. And, and so therefore you really have to want to do it. Yeah. To face that. But I think in that predicament, it's about getting to a certain age where you go, right, well, I've been trying to stop it for so mm. long and there's nothing more I can do. Yeah. But now you're old enough Yeah. to step in. I'll be here to, to catch you. Yeah, please stop doing drugs. <laughs> do acting now instead. <laughs> or, or just do drugs. Yeah, yeah. And don't do acting. <laughs> Was there any... Do you ever get to moments of gone, well, I've done quite a lot of stuff and I can't deal with this anymore? Um, I... I mean, we all think about it at yeah, times. Yeah, we do, don't we? But do we really mean it? I crave control. But I... If, how do you deal with doing what you do then? Because... Because we no have, we control. Don't have any, the only control we have is what, when you get to a certain success that you can actually go. No, I'm not doing that job. Um, but I even think you don't have to get to a certain level of success to say no. I think more people should start saying no. Yeah, at but, an earlier age. I know it's scary. And I know it's a terrible it thing. is scary, but also when you need the money, you know, you don't have much <clears throat> uh, chance. To pull back no, and say no. I know, like, I know. fucking hard. But about, what, about four years ago, I went through a quiet patch. and When you say quiet patch, uh, how long? Oh, God, like six months or something. Six months. And, uh, you know, and I would take uh, any job. Because of having kids as well, I would take any job. Keep the, keep the work coming. Uh, and I think... Would that be around the same time? I think I had done a long tour with an Irish company. Uh, and then I was like, oh, fuck, I just need to be here more. And um, and that was a difficult decision to turn down stuff there. So then I went through a fallow period kind of here. Is fallow right? Fallow's right? Fallow's right, yeah. Yeah, okay, good. Not, not, not right on my farming. We, do, we, we, don't, we don't use it a lot. Okay. Yeah. I, think uh, we, I think we should. I, or I could say I was unemployed. <laughs> But anyway, so I'd been doing um, spin classes and the woman who runs the studio, I got on really well with her and I thought, fuck it, out of the blue, I just texted her and said, do you ever do pro bono work for a fallow person? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And she said, yes, please, because she was on her own working in this tiny studio, you know, building up her client base and whatever. And she said, yeah. And so she trained me. Um, and it was the best decision I made because it, mentally it was so good for my mental health to to go and do two hours every day on a bike, work out really hard, decent sweat going on. Um, and and I, I, it gave me control, gave me control because eventually I was able to earn some money from it. You know, it's not a huge amount of money, but you're working out, you're getting your um, confidence up. Yeah. And so that when an audition does come in, you don't feel like, oh, I've just been eating custard creams and watching Trisha. <laughs> and you're, dra- you're dragging all that into the room, yeah. whether you know it or not. And interestingly, did a, a, a Q&A one night when we were doing Aristocrats and Josie uh, came in. Josie, who runs the Dunbar. Uh, O'Rourke, Eileen, thank you. Uh, <laughs> even Rourke, not O, because no. I was making her Irish there. <laughs> Let's not make her uh, Irish. <laughs> and uh, she said, when actors come in to audition, you can tell the actors that are already working. She said, because they're, they're kind of on one already. They're, you know wheels are going they're oiled they're you know they're kept busy yeah and then they happen to be coming in and they can talk about this play or this one that they've got in their hand right now and she said but as soon as an actor comes in that is unemployed it's very focused on just this and you can tell that I suppose that they need it they want it that hunger that actually they doesn't, don't, it doesn't, doesn't work for them half work. the time. Well, it yeah. doesn't, does it? And they always say, I remember speaking to somebody, I forget if it was a director or a writer, I think it might have been a writer. And he said, uh, and I might have said this before on the podcast, I can't remember now. They can tell on the other side of the table, so to speak, mm. in the first five minutes. First five. Yeah. And I think it's about what you're saying about people who are not keeping uh, uh, the cogs sort of oiled because they're working and they come in and they've yeah. got a, not an arrogance, but they go, well, I'm just, I'm just here to do this. It's just a part of yeah. another thing because I'm already, you know what it's like when um, you haven't been working for a bit and mm. then you get a job and the first few days, they're not great because you, <laughs> the chain of the bike is 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 a slightly rusty. Yes. So you've got to put the oil yes. on. So those first few days, and then you go. Oh, I always wish I could go back to those first two yeah, days. Yeah, squeeze well, more out of it. Squeeze more out because it was a bit rusty there. Yeah. Do you know what I hate? First what? few days. Oh Christ! When they go. So we'll just do a quick name game. <sighs> that makes me have an actual aneurysm. <laughs> you just go. I can't. I, please, there's 14 people in this room. The only person I know is the director, so I'm going to keep calling John, John, John all the time. I guarantee I'm not going to know everybody's name. It's not, it won't happen. Oh, it makes me so anxious. There's nothing creative happening. It's just me pulling focus constantly, needing attention, because you're just going, I'm so sorry, I don't know anyone's <laughs> names. I hate it. There has to be an easier way of doing that. With... Just going back and talking about auditions, mm. how do you, how are you dealing with those? Um, are you good at letting them go after you come out? Oh no! No, I don't trust anybody who says that they are either. I think that's a big fat dirty liar. Because I think we all go, oh, no news, no. Oh god, still no emails. Oh my god, I just check it once more. I was thinking about this the other day. And I was going, as soon as I come out, yeah, I might not think about it two hours later. Mm. That's when I think about it. Yeah. Because oh, I think subconsciously I've been replaying it. And then yeah. I go, oh, no, I just, oh, why did I say that? Oh, my God, I did one recently and uh, uh, I came out and phoned my agent. <laughs> I, didn't, I think I've forgotten how to act. It's like, I, that was the worst audition I have ever done in my life. Why do you think it was so bad? Because, uh, I don't know. I don't know. He, he said to me, can you do it again? Do it like, and I kind of did it exactly the same. <laughs> and then he went, oh, right, okay. Can we try it with the, and I was like, yeah, sure. And it was a bit like, no, nothing's, nothing's changing. Nothing is coming out. 
don't know. Just my my brain and my body went against me and went, no, thanks, not today. Shop's closed. <laughs> Did you Weird. know that at the time when it was happening? You I going... felt fine. I felt fine. It was really tricky because I felt, you know, chatty, went in, a little bit of crack. They had seen something, you know, so we had that. It was as soon as uh, the camera rolled, as soon as I went into uh, doing the lines. It was just weird. There's a brilliant bit in uh, The Big Blue, very, you know, old film now. The... The Big Blue, it's called. Is it the... The diving one. Yeah. 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 yeah of course. I was so, in that for ages. So Jean Renault is the diver who is big and bulky and I will win over everyone. And Jean-Marc Barr is the very beautiful who's naturally good at it and can dive anyway. And then one day Jean Renault's character nearly dies under the water because he's just trying to beat Jean-Marc Barr. And uh, they bring him up to the surface and they're clearing him of water in his lungs or something. It's all this. And and it just says, you know, some days the water doesn't want you. I think, oh, the amount of times I said that in the theatre. Some days the theatre just doesn't want you. But I think that's all right. Yeah. And I think that's a really nice bit of advice. Isn't it? Yeah. We should keep that. Yeah, that with Niall Buggy's leap, darling. <laughs> theatre will always catch you. <laughs> Eileen. Was that all right? Oh, my God. Did you enjoy that? I kept waiting for you to start. <laughs> I kind of thought afterwards, like, oh, oh, we're in it. That's the, We're in it. it. We're in it. We've gone round it. We've come out the other side. Wow. In fact, just talking about auditions before we go off, and this isn't me bigging up myself. But I'm fucking great in auditions. <laughs> but I am fucking... I'm great. I'm going to do my Shakespeare for you now. No, but I was, I was really nervous, as I always am about this certain thing. And I was very unsure mm. whether I wanted to even go in for it, let alone do it. I just didn't think I was right. Do you know what I mean? But if oh, you feel, yeah. you know, when you feel, oh, well, I feel I should go in. Yeah. So I did. And the director I've never met before, he said, I just love to meet you, all that. He said, can I just say, and I went, all oh, right. He said, I really love the podcast. Oh. And I went, oh, really? Oh. And I, honestly, I've got a bit, a bit, little bit teary. Yeah. I went, oh, and we spoke about that for twenty five minutes, and then I went, oh, this, oh yeah, well, she did. Well, anyway, so when I was doing the podcast, I was oh, more passionate about talking about the podcast than I was about yeah. the actual yeah audition itself. It's funny, but it completely it? made me, I don't know, something in me that the nerves went. Yeah. And I just spoke about how nice is that something though? that I'm really, really passionate about yeah. because we have complete control yeah, yeah, yeah. over it. And the fact that somebody quite high up in the industry <gasps> was listening to it, I went, fuck, that's, oh my that's incredible. I forget sometimes who listens and who doesn't. I went in for a theatre audition and I was about an hour, an hour in there, I'm not kidding, where the young director, who was so lovely, but said, you know, God, Disco Pigs is like the reason I became a director. This is amazing to have you come in and audition and thank you so much and la, la, la. And I came out and I phoned my agent and I was like, oh, my God, that was like an hour. And of course, I didn't get it. <laughs> oh, God. Which is always the way, oh. isn't it? Yeah. So now whenever I come out, you know, if I phone her and go, I think it went well, obviously. Not going to get that one. That's grand. It's the ones where you come out and go, oh, that was awful. You can't think like that, can you? And we do. All the time. All the time. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for this. This was so lovely. Ali Moss, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks, Craig. (laughs) And another episode is done. I tell you what, January so far for this podcast is going very well. Two episodes in, two fantastic guests. I hope you enjoyed it. She's just brilliant. She's fantastic. And I think in the podcast we spoke about Eileen flying off to New York with her family. She texted me when she was at the airport. All flights cancelled because of that bloody drone. So she didn't even end up going to New York, but I believe um, that she's, yeah, she is going to go back with the family. Hopefully she gets nice compensation for that. Good stuff, Eileen. And thank you to you for subscribing, for joining in. This is brilliant. So if 
you want to know more, you know where to find us. We're at Two Shot Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We are Two Shot Pod at gmail.com. Why do I always forget the email? Two Shot Pod at gmail.com. You should think after 72 episodes, I would be able to just trip off the tongue like that. I just can't do it, can I? It's, it always trips me up. I'm, I'm terribly sorry. So, well, that's it. I'm going to leave you for another week. And remember, now it's Sunday afternoon on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we'll let you know who the following week's guest is. Until then, take care of yourself. Have a good week. If you're in the UK, keep cosy warm. I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff. And this has been the Two Shot Podcast. Take care. Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers.